House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back, everyone, to the House of Run podcast. I'm Kevin Sully. He is Jason Halpin. Run at gmail.com is the email address. The trials are over. They came and went. We were not there in person, Jason. Mm. Very sad. Not the same. But this meet, man. I was trying to think back. Does this happen every trials? And I just forget that it's this good. But then I looked at some numbers and no. It's not always this good. It's always dramatic, but it's not always as fast. Yeah, it's always like, you know, the best, well, second best meet of the year, probably, um, just because it's so deep in every event and, and so good. But yeah, this, there was some crazy times and like a lot of crazy times. Um, and I think that's, yeah, I'd say that separates it a little bit from the normal trials. We talked about the first four days on the last pod. So if you're here to hear us talk about the 100 or the 400 or the women's 1500 or the men's 800 that's all in the first part we're going to talk about the last four days which was basically a steeple final on thursday yep and a bunch of prelims another steeple final on friday and a bunch of prelims and then everything getting like set on fire like literally and figuratively because it was a million degrees in portland or eugene in on saturday and sunday's session and saturday i thought was going to be the apex, which in retrospect was naive because then you go into Sunday and you got Sydney on deck, right? You got, you got that men's 15 that we've all been waiting for on deck. You got the women's eight where you don't really don't know what a thing Mo is going to do. And then you got a, a men's 200, which became incredibly it, compelling. It lived up to the hype, right? It, I mean, it, you should be happy. It's just I, <laughs> as a steward of the event, you do not have any stake in one person's success or not. You are just. No. You bought 200 stock really low. So all yes. you want to see is a good, solid return. And I think you got it because it just it was interesting through every round. I watched every single round with, with bated breath. And then that final, I genuinely did not know who was going to win, which we haven't been able to say that about a 200 in several years. Yeah, I, did. I mean, even going into that final, it was still like, I think Noah Lyles is making the team. Like, he should. But it was still like kind of open because there were a bunch of dudes running like nineteen nine, including mm-hmm. Noah Lyles, and Noah Lyles hadn't looked like Noah Lyles yet, and there was a literal child in the race, and he ended up making the team. So yeah, it was a it was a really good day for the two hundred. Um, good weekend for the two hundred. Really, yeah, great, yeah, too. great weekend for the two hundred. I'm I'm like almost scared of talking about it now. I feel like I could still screw it up. Like somehow, Fred Curley's going to be on the four hundred team again and like erase this and then Kenny Bigneric's gonna do something else and I, I don't know but I'm, well, just, I'm just excited let me give you some bad news as it pertains to the men's 200 okay is you go outside the U.S. Ooh, yeah and you gotta look pretty deep to find people who can contend with these guys good news if you're a U.S. sprint fan but if you're not you're basically grass you gotta yes it, you you actually have to run like 19.8 probably to medal this year presumably but all it takes is one bad race from a U.S. person, and then you're in the money. You look at the yearly list, 
Ododuru 988, Degrasse 9, sorry 1988, and then Degrasse 1989. And we've done these numbers before. Those are the only t- two guys under 20. Maybe somebody else will emerge, but not likely. And Lyles obviously isn't running 195 right now, but he doesn't need to be to be the best in the world or in the metal picture. And it seems like Bednarik or Knighton are going to be able to take up that spot if he's not at peak Lyles. Those guys are right there ready to beat him. I, I, I didn't want to start with this event. I want to yeah, start... Sorry. I mean, what's the, to you, well, I want you to go back in time. Okay. What was your best memory of the 2016 trials? Best memory of the 2016 trials? Um, in terms of race, not when you did comedy. And then that I mean, racist that was guy fun. started yelling at you. That was a yeah, good time. Um, I mean, the Legat thing was really cool. Okay. That was, pro- that was probably the coolest moment, right? Because that was when the crowd probably went the craziest. Yeah, I would I would think that that's a a logical answer. I'm looking back. Okay, so I'm looking back at trials. Do you remember the hundred, the men's hundred? Yeah, I think so. Guys, so Gatlin, Bromel, Bracy, nine eighty, nine eighty four, nine eighty eight. Women's hundred, English Gardner, ten seventy four. Tiana Bartoletta and Tori Bowie ran ten seventy eight. Bowie came back, made the two hundred team. Felix won the four. The women's eight, I think I'd put up there as being memorable. Mm, big, yeah. The... But that's where Antonio fell, and mm-hmm. there was all sorts of drama in that, as there always is. Uh, Molly Huddle doubled. Jenny Simpson beat Shannon Robray in the 1500. Dylan Muhammad won the four-meter hurdles. Ashley Spencer got second. Sidney McLaughlin got third. Coburn and Frerichs went one-two in the steeple. Jager won the men's steeple. Karan Clement won the four-meter hurdles. So i looking through here. I mean, Central won the 15, but... That's not a particularly memorable central race. If I close my eyes and imagine a central race, I don't think about the 2016 trials. Right. Um, so I, I think you're I think you're right. Now here's the thing though. There you could separate none of the time, like the singular time performances were particularly preposterous like they were this time. So you could say that Legat race, the time doesn't matter, but it might have been the best race just overall. Whereas this is kind of tough because you had so many really compelling races, but then you also had all these all-time marks run in these races, obviously the best of which was Sydney in the four-meter hurdles. Do you get what I'm saying? It makes it harder to, to sort out what you're going to remember. Are you gonna, you're going to remember the world record, obviously, but then from there, it's, there was a lot of performances on that Saturday that were the number two all-time mark, yeah. right? <laughs> Between Benjamin, Holloway, and Gabby Thomas. Are you going to remember that or are you going to remember, you know, the the 800s, the 1500s? It's tough to figure out. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, if you I mean, if you go, yeah, lead story, it's got to be the world record for sure. And it was, you get the square off of Sydney and, and Muhammad. I mean, that's, you know, it was already going to be insanely marquee anytime they square up because every time they do, a world record gets run and that's always fun. Um, so, yeah, that just kind of lived up to the hype. And mm-hmm. let me just get it out of the way. We talked about Sydney a lot. I talked about Sydney a lot, not running her event. I w- I'm happy to take the L on this. Honestly, I am. But if I can just be the guy who hangs on to his take a little too long. She's 21. She's the second fastest in history. Do you think maybe she was on track to do this anyway? Like, do you think if she had run two more 400-meter hurdles that this, none of this would have happened? I don't know. Maybe not. I'm clearly saying there wasn't a flaw in her plan, clearly, because it all worked out. Yeah, yeah. Incredibly. 
but like are are we going to say like this happened because of that is is that like a direct line because i'm not willing to necessarily say that but she set the world record and, and won the trials and beat muhammad like everything's perfect so obviously yeah i'm not saying she was wrong but i just don't know if that's like well see you just should never run your event then <laughs> we told you hey fred curley worked for him too yeah two, exactly two so like i mean i get it and like i'm i said i will happily take the l Sydney was unbelievable and muhammad was honestly almost as amazing because of kind of the unsureness a little bit of her coming into this race. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, you know, she had run basically as much as Sydney had, uh, but Sydney we knew was healthy and, and Muhammad ready to go. Muhammad yeah. wasn't, but Muhammad still ran very, very fast. And she's got over a month to kind of get into full shape. So like there's not many things, maybe just the other 400 hurdles race mm-hmm. um, that I could look forward to more than the, these two squaring off again at the Olympics. Yeah, I think if you told me after 2019, hey, the trials in, well, there's going to be a pandemic, so it's going to be postponed a year. I'd be like, what? And it turns out I'm talking to Scott Bakula from Quantum Leap. <laughs> and Ziggy? Ziggy's there? Is it Ziggy? I think Al? Alan Ziggy? Is that right? Someone will let me know. I don't uh, know well enough. Okay, so I, and they said in two, okay, in two years at the U.S. Championships slash Olympic trials, 51 nines would be the world record. I would not have been surprised. 50 because yeah. Sydney was running 52 2. Muhammad's running 52 1. This is a and they and Sydney is still young. It makes perfect sense. But here's what happened because she didn't run the race a lot. We didn't talk about the world record at all. And maybe that was part of it too. There was really, like, there was not this constant, like, is she going to break the world record this week? Is she going to break the world record this week? She runs the 52, right, has her only tune-up race, yeah. like, in the in the four-meter hurdles. She runs the the 52.83, does it in Nashville, low-key meet, 52.8. So you're, in retrospect, you'd think, okay, this record's gone. She just ran 52.8 in a four-meter hurdle opener uh, with no competition. Like, she's going to be... She's going to be smashing uh, 52 seconds once she gets going. And then you could see her first round, super-duper easy 54. And then the round after that, super-duper easy 53. And at that point, it just became obvious. And I said, the only way she doesn't break it is if the heat just slows everything down. Because that was before they decided to push the meat back several hours. When we thought that they were going to be competing in 112-degree heat, maybe... You know, that's hard. That's just hard to keep your energy when it, when it's that hot. But once she ran the time and she did it, you go back and you think, well, why weren't we talking more about the world record in the buildup to this meet? And the reason was is because we didn't really have very many data points from either woman that yeah. indicated that that was ready. Now, I know you could say, okay, 52-8 in this low-key meet in Tennessee, that, that should have been enough. But you know, we hadn't seen repeated attempts. We hadn't seen them in a race together in the same way we had seen in 2019. So if the goal was just to keep it low key, I don't know if that was psychological. I know she mentioned physical, like it, it was helpful for her to do those high hurdle races, but, but it certainly kept it from being a discussion point going into the meet. And like, she could have run that in the semi. I thought, I don't know what you thought. I mean, it certainly looked like, yeah, she was just kind of doing whatever she wanted, basically. Yeah, um, yeah I think part of it, you know, you know, we didn't talk about the world record 
possibility, which, like I said, every time they square up, it basically happens. But We should have, in retrospect. We yeah. Should've. But at the same time, like I said, when you just don't get those opportunities, it's one thing, you know, if, if Carson Walholm's doing this every week, yeah, then you have... There, there's nothing else to talk about besides that when he's when he's running by himself. Um, you know, Muhammad didn't run the whole year. And you kind of go, well, do you need both to be there in order to make a really good run at the world record? Like, like Sydney yeah, looked unbelievable. Yeah. And she was going to, you know, she was probably going to be low 52s regardless. Um, but, like, does she need Muhammad pushing her? Did, did, did it maybe help that Muhammad was on her outside and she got to just key off that the entire race? Probably. Uh, but also, she just looked unbelievably good. So... Yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, it's we didn't talk about it in the men's race, and that didn't happen in the men's race, but it got damn close. <laughs> it almost um, did, yeah. You know, so it's another thing where we kind of go, okay, well, we know how good Ry Benjamin is, but, like, I would have been surprised if he had run the world record right there just because it yeah. would have happened so quickly. Um, but but with, Benj- but, but with Benjamin, though, at least you had a 47 low this year. Yeah. Leading in, and you had the, you had the impression that he was for sure – like he was ramping up into a full into full season, and we didn't know that for sure with Muhammad. And then we found out later she had COVID pre- previously. She tore her hamstring in March. She had a lot of issues in her buildup that kept it from being perfect. And she was still able to get up there and, and run 50, 52 seconds. I think you're right. I I'm just going back and forth in my own head. Of I watched that fifty three zero in the semis and saw how easy it was, but then I also saw her in the final. You're right latch on to a Muhammad and users rabbit going around the track. And that must've helped a bit because then she pulls away right at the end there. And we've seen them come together and create iconic races several times. Now, this is what the the third time in a championship yeah. that a world record has been broken. And then they've had some pretty good battles in diamond leagues as well too. We should have known that they're both there. So, Right, there's a, that's all a good takes. shot for it. Yeah, that's all it takes. It's literally all it takes. I mean, credit to Muhammad, though. That's the third best time of her life. And she did it running, you know, she ran 55 a couple weeks ago. And that yeah. was, I don't think that was a just jog around the track effort because she made a reference to it in the post-race. Um, what I want to know from you is, do you think Muhammad has a counterpunch now in Tokyo? Or is it Sydney from here on out? Yeah, I think it's going to be closer than it was today at the Olympics. I mean, it's it ended up being half a second. Mm. Um, but just knowing kind of what Muhammad's buildup was and all the setbacks, um, giving her whatever we're at, five weeks um, to get right, mm-hmm. I, I, I think she's going to close the gap. Like, may, I mean, maybe McLaughlin's just going to run three more high hurdle races and then break 51. I don't know. Maybe that's where we're at. But... Um, Muhammad, you know, clearly, I mean, smashing a world record. Um, I wouldn't anticipate her. She could get a little faster, but I wouldn't anticipate her making another big jump. Whereas I think Muhammad could get to 52 low or maybe, you know, under 52. And then you have something, you know, some just insanely crazy race. I I just think if you give Muhammad that much time, I have really no reason to doubt her. I, I, the fact that she ran 52, 42 after hearing all of that stuff is, is incredible. Okay, that makes me more excited. I thought you were going to say Sydney's just scratching I mean, the surface. I, and she's I think McLaughlin's got to be favorite for sure, but I, I, I am not counting out Delilah Muhammad at all. Yeah, I think that would be foolish 
to, to counter out entirely. But, you know, it. you also look at, again, you look at Sydney just on the rise and you could say, hey, this is her with only two real 400-meter hurdle races yeah. in her legs. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and, a, honestly, and a couple rounds. We know what a, you know, phenom she was and, and how incredible she was in the, I mean, she had absolutely lived up to that before, even before this world record, like she had only lost races where the other person set world records like that. That's basically where she was at the last couple of years. Um, so we, we knew how special she was and she's 21. And so yeah. if she's, if she's just going to completely like rewrite this event and like 51, five is going to be like what it is, then it's like, all right, well, good, good luck, everybody. Like, I don't know at that point, then I just go like, is she going to switch events after this? Because she's just too good yeah well and i think we gotta note we gotta obviously note she's been she's been good for a while now she made the team in 2016 so i think her clock is going to be different than somebody else's i mean maybe she does have a felix type clock but she was even before felix right in terms of when her when her career started so the opportunities are now and i think getting the world record was was important because if she yeah if she does want to move to other events you'd think well you want to have the the best time in history at your event and then and get 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 the gold medal before you move on to other events i have no idea if she wants to move on to other events no me neither and she and i mean getting ahead of ourselves she needs to win a gold medal first sure she'll be favored to do it she'll be favored muhammad i think will be right there anna cockrell got third for the u.s femke bowl has been running well for the netherlands but Unless something drastic happens, this is going to be, yeah, Muhammad McLaughlin part four, and it's it's awesome. I mean, it's awesome that they bring this out of each other every single time. And Muhammad's career, you know, look at all her medals and accomplishments now is insane. It's like it's tough to beat. And it's almost remember when we're talking about the goat conversation of Bakele and Kipchoge, and how well, what if Bakele? This is back before Bakele pulled out of. Whatever marathon he pulled Every out, race. He, yeah, he pulls out a lot of them. So, but but we were saying, hey, all that sub two stuff for Kipchoge. What if, what if Bekele just goes and does it, and right? Beats him and beats him in London. How does that complicate the conversation? And with McLaughlin and Muhammad, Muhammad. Okay, now she has the second best time in history, right? But like, look at all the gold she stacked up over the years. Look at all. Look at the depth of performance that she's churned out year after year look at all the medals total that she's gotten you know sydney right now has one silver if she gets the gold in tokyo it's a gold and a silver so that there's still some some catching up to do in terms of the the medal conversation right uh, if you, and muhammad's I, gonna add to her medal conversation as well yeah yeah absolutely okay so we got a bunch more events to talk about jace uh women's two this was i think the most this was the most shocking, in a positive way, result of the weekend. Of the whole meet. Not even the whole weekend. Or more than the weekend. The whole the whole meet, right? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, yeah. I didn't see this coming, for sure. Okay, so, I don't know how else to say this, but, you know, Gabby Thomas PR'd three straight rounds and ran 21.61. Only Flojo's run faster. Yeah. And Jenna Prandini had the weekend of her 
life pretty much too. She PR'd in every round. She owns 21.89. Four women total broke 22 seconds in this race, but Thomas was a cut above everyone else. And I just did not see this performance coming at all. And I say that as someone who went out and watched Gabby Thomas work out <laughs> this year <laughs> for my day job. I, and you could see she was shocked too. I'm not sure. Sh- like, I'm not shocked that she won. That's right. not, that's not the surprising part. Just as I wasn't surprised that Sydney got the world record, because why would you be surprised? Or right. Benjamin ran the second fastest time in history, but Thomas to go from where she was to where she is now. Um, I mean, she entered the weekend. What was her PB entering the weekend? Was it twenty-two-one? I think something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're dropping a half a second over the course of three rounds, and we know the track is fast. That's confirmed. Not, yeah. Yeah, but we knew that in the first part of the meet. But this was still fast, even by those standards. You could recalibrate. Say so you recalibrate things after the hundred or the 400, whatever sort of metric you want to use of like, okay, this is this is a quick time. She just exceeded any sort of expectation. Here, I'm looking at her 200s. 22.17 was her PB, and she ran that in March here in Austin. Before that, her PB was 22.19 from London in 2018. So literally a half second over three rounds. I just didn't. I just didn't have this on my card, Jason. I did not think – like I've always oriented women's 200-meter times around Felix's 2169 from Eugene in 2012. Yeah. That's the time I I think about because that one was before the 2015 performances of Shippers and Hurrah in, in Beijing. Yep. And then everything else was... And you saw it, right? So that's got to... yes. I saw it and it stuck in my head. And it just... Because when... So when Felix ran that, it was the seventh best time in history. Or sixth best time in history. It was two Flojo performances. Marion Jones and Merlene Adi had a couple in there. She had two two 21.6s. So you're getting to very, very select company there. And no one had done it in so long. It had been since 98. And that was Marion Jones. Okay, so it just seemed like, okay, this is an all-time mark. So I always thought, okay, sub-22 is ridiculously elite, and it's good enough to win a major championship. And then there's you know what Felix did, sub-21-7. That's attainable by this era of sprinter, is how I thought about it in my head. But you need to be an all-timer. Yeah. And then Thomas just smashes right through that and runs – 2161 how are you conceptualizing this are you are you struggling too yeah for sure i mean it's just the whole i mean gabby thomas obviously ridiculous but that whole race in general yeah like i'm looking at allison felix at 2211 yeah got fifth. fifth yeah and i would go if he would have told me felix was going to run 2211 i would have been like holy crap she's going to make the team of the 200 yeah. as well um 2211 would have won the silver medal at the last two world championships <laughs> So she finished fifth at the trials. Um, Say that again. Say that again. Yeah. She would have been silver medal at 2019 and 2017 World Championships. And she finished fifth at the trials. Yeah. So then you get into the conversations like, oh, how fast is the track or this and that. But then you just look at the margin of victory, though. Right. Yeah. She she won by over half, you know, or half a second. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, and, you know, 
Jenna Prandini, uh, Battle, and Clark, you know, 21.89, 21.95, 21.98, all still, like you said, under 22 is like for real. And that's like, like you said, meddling and should make you the team easily every single time. Yeah. But those are like relatively believable times. You go, oh, hey, you know, yeah, Prandini has race of her life. Okay, 21.9. That's, that's faster than maybe I would have thought, but sure. Um, I would have been lying to you if I thought uh, to college kids were going to run 21.9. But then there's <laughs> yeah. this giant leap up, another, yeah. you know, three tenths to Gabby Thomas. And that's where it's just like, I, I, yeah, I'm totally speechless. Like I said, UPR half a second in a weekend um, over three races. Yeah. And yeah, your you're, you're second all time. Like it just, it, it's, it's so hard to just even <laughs> have a real like reaction to it. I just don't know what to say besides, wow. Flojo is getting brought up way more than I thought this year. In, <laughs> yeah, seriously. In sprinting because Richardson and Fraser Price in the 100 and now Thomas in the 200. Okay, you're Shawnee Miller-Weibo. What are you thinking? Uh, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think Miller can run 21.6. I think that's not out of her possibility. Um, her PB is 21.74. Yeah, okay. So, like, yeah, I think she could be in that in that realm. But, uh, you know, is – I just don't know if – is this just going to be a bit of an outlier for Gabby Thomas? Like – because it was such a huge lead. Like, I'm not saying she's going to like fall back, but if she's like 21.8 or 21.7s, like, okay, mm-hmm. that seems realistic. If she's 21.61, like, I, I just no one's touching her. It's just, I don't know what to take from that. But uh, yeah, if I'm Miller Weibo, I would still run the 400. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, you know, Nasser, who, who knows? Nobody knows what's going on with her right now. Um, but outside, you know, that's the only person in the world who has a chance against you in the 400. Whereas right now, you just watched Gabby Thomas do that. Yeah. Well, and what's starting to happen in the women's two is what's happened in the men's two, where if Miller Weber runs the four and doesn't run the two, and then we already had Richardson not run this race, you're thinking, man, Richardson, Miller Weber, Thomas, Prandini, Asher Smith. Uh, the Thompson, Fraser Price, who just ran twenty one seven in Jamaica, <laughs> Shrika Williams, who's ditched the four hundred or in the one hundred or two hundred. You could put together an eight person field that's nuts. Oh, yeah, be shades of shades of twenty twelve when it was Felix and Richard Ross and Campbell Brown and Fraser Price, all and Jetter all out there. Where it was the the meeting in the middle of of a lot of, or actually, I guess those were all one hundred two hundred. Or Richard Ross ran the ran the quarter that year, but. Uh, yeah, I, you look at a race this fast and it kind of, kind of reminds me of these, di- a distance race where you have all these fast times and you think, okay, well the pacing was great and the conditions were perfect and this you know, it was hot. So that was good. They had the good wind behind them. The wind, we just haven't had any meets of this caliber at the new stadium yet. So we don't really know mm-hmm. what it's capable of and the old Hayward, a lot of wind-aided marks. I think this stadium had fewer wind-aided marks. On I don't you can well actually do fact check me if someone has a wind-aided analytical paper that I can read. But it seems with those bigger stadiums, it seems there seems to be fewer wind-aided marks because it blocks the wind from going through. Right? It kind of just 
swirls in there. Right. And the stadium is bigger than the old Hayward where it would usually come in and be at their back for the 100 and then in their face on the on the back stretch. Plus 1.3. I yeah, I but I just look at that margin though too and I'm thinking, "All right, even like what's the slowest Felix was going to run? If you just set uh, if you set up Felix as the the control in this experiment and you and you set her back to I don't know, 22.5, which seems way too slow. Like, what was her – she ran a couple 200s this year. What was her even wind-dated PB? Let me let me look this up. So she ran a 20 wind-dated 22.2 in Mount Sac. That's when Thomas beat her. So, yeah, if you set her back, let's just say to, to 22.5 or something, <laughs> Thomas's time is still ridiculous. Yeah, right? and, I, there, and I think no, Felix no has way. obviously just gotten better and better this year. So like I'm like twenty two eleven is fa- a little faster than I thought Felix would run for sure. Yeah. If you would have made me put an over under on it, I don't know, it would have been twenty two three. Well, she ran. So I'm looking at this Mount Sack. Five, Tom, I don't know. Well, Thomas beat Thomas beat her in Mount Sack. It was plus two point one. This was you know, a couple whatever April. DK Metcalf was there. You remember? Yeah. Thomas twenty two twelve. Felix twenty two twenty six. So okay, so yeah, about I would have put it about in that range, the twenty two twos. Then yeah, so the margin of victory went from point one four to half a second. So Thomas made that that bump up. I don't. Yeah, I mean, are we going to get these same conditions again in Tokyo? And are they going to run this fast? No, probably. Odds are no. There's a chance, sure, but more importantly, when you're putting up a margin of victory like this, you're going to be running. Yeah. For a medal, at the very least. Oh, you, without question. Gonna... I mean, yeah, and she's, uh, you know, I guess, I, I don't know, you know, you said Fraser Price looks amazing. Like, I, I beca- with all those people in there, I was like, well, she's the favorite. And I'm like, well, Jesus, I don't, just because the all the people in there, she's one of the favorites, certainly, if not the favorite. Um, but, man. You got to work on your positive vibes for the women's 200, too, now that you've resurrected the men's 200 right yeah i mean i i i wanted to have him because i mean i didn't think fraser price was going to run the two and it's very likely probable that she won't uh come the olympics but like man she's running the best of her life right now or uh, uh yeah and it's like man why I, I don't know if this is her presumably last olympics but i'm not gonna put anything past her why not uh why not do the double yeah 1071 and twenty one point seven nine. Yeah, she to make I mean, trials. She, she PB'd in both this year. Twenty one seven nine is PB. Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> yeah, women's sprints right now are just on fire, and we'll see what happens in the in the quarter. But I think you're right with Melawebo. I got the schedule up right here, and it's it's annoying to look at these schedules, Jason. Mm-hmm. What do you want? But yeah, well, and, and also you and you'd mentioned Trika Jackson. It, pulling a Fred Curley, basically getting second mm-hmm. in both the hundred and 200 in the trials and like 21, eight and 10, eight. That's, that's, that's like not even just like a, yeah. Oh, that's, that's decent. Like, whereas don't, don't look at the men's sprinting and, and Jamaican trials, please. Um, but just look at the women and just be like, wow. Yeah. Jackson. I mean, Jackson beat Thompson in both and Thompson ran solidly well, Yeah, but like it's, but not, it's going to take a lot more than, good to medal at these at these events because the the women are just loaded in the sprints right now yeah and jamaica is going to be really tough to beat in the 
four by one, but we can talk about that one later. Um, okay, let's stick with the 200. Let's just do the men right now. We'll get to distance races soon enough. So if you're tuned in for distance, we'll get to it. We'll get there. We still got, oh man, we're only half hour in. Yeah, we got plenty of time. Buckle up, folks. I'm going to need to get a glass of water while Jason talks. Um, actually, why don't you do that? Why don't you talk about the men's 200 right now? Okay. I'm going to get some water. Go. Sounds good. All right. Men's 200. We hinted at it. We'd started talking about it. And then now we're actually going to talk about it. Uh, no Lyles was a question mark, which is weird to say because he's been the most consistent, easy guy to bet on in all of track and field, maybe over the past couple of years. Um, but he finally uh, kind of breaks through um, and looks like his old self. Tw- uh, 1974 is a very solid time, but if for like Lyles, this was, I would say this is like the average time for him over the past few years. Like, like any random outing, this is what you'd expect to see from Lyles. But the fact that he did it is uh, a huge step in the right direction. But Narek runs 20, uh, 1978, just right behind him. And even coming off that final turn, the final turn, the only turn um, into the last hundred, it was majorly in question of who was going to win this race. And uh, Ben Narek runs 1978, an amazing performance. And of course, Knighton runs 1984. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I mean, this race was better than we thought it would be even. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I'm glad we saw, basically what I was saying was this, Lyles ran what was used to be the standard race for Lyles. 1974 was the any given over under of Noah Lyles in the 2018 season, right? Yeah, I this guess. But would do. I mean, like if you had to, like a decent, you know, maybe not just like random nothing meets, but like decent Diamond League meet middle of the season. If you had to put an over under on Noah Lyles going into a 200 race, it was going to be like 1975. He's run under 197. Six times total in his life. That's a lot. And then he's run three other times under 1975. Yeah, so he's... I mean, but like, you're right. I think the impression, because he has a 1950, the impression is that he's just been knocking out times around that ever since. But his next best is 1965. And then it's everything is, you know, like you said, more more times in the 1970s. So... I think I get my, – my question to you is this, mm-hmm. and you might answer this when I was getting water. I got, Actually, I have an observation and a, and a question, but I'll start first with Lyles. Is Lyles – is he a 1907 guy now? Like was 19.5 the apex in 2019? Because at the time, you thought, oh, man, there's way more there. We're going to be seeing the American record. I, yeah, I mean that's definitely what I thought. Like I'm looking at his 2018 season. Here's, where, here's his 200 times that year. 1983, 1969, 1969, 1965, 1967. The dude yeah. was like, he was a guaranteed, like, and even the year after, little, he ran more, but it was like 1972, 1975, and then don't count rounds, 1978, this is what you expected every single time out was he's going to run 19.7, give or take a tenth. And so, okay. So what's your, what's your answer? Then? Yeah. So, I mean, and Hey, it was great to see him run that. It looked like 
I mean, this was a hundred percent effort, nineteen yeah. seven. Whereas yeah. he made some of these nineteen sevens look really, really easy in the past. Um, unless something drastically changes uh, between now and the Olympics, like I don't expect him to run much faster than this. I mean, hundredths maybe, sure, mm-hmm. but like it just doesn't. Like I, I, I would, I would be legitimately surprised if he runs nineteen five. At this point, yeah, he. You should watch his whole post race interview if you haven't, because he talks about he missed time and his like, just he was so tight with his legs and his muscles all year, and you know it was a common theme throughout the championships because just the COVID postponement changed everything for a lot of people and the inability to have a normal schedule. And then he talked about it seems like he's just put a ton of pressure on himself. Like when I'm watching that video. Yeah of him talk and he's just saying how his brother had to psych him up before Mount Sac and why he worried. And then his mom was, was trying to get him going and stuff. It's, and I, he does the stuff at the start line. And so you're like, Oh man, he's relaxed and he's, he's ready to go. Not a care in the world, but it feels like he's, he's feeling some pressure out there for sure. And, and he's, and he's running a little tight. Now I don't, I'm not smart enough and I'm not going to pretend to diagnose what's going on with his form, all I know is the numbers that you cited of just those times. Um, now, listen, he could have an am- if he never runs nineteen five again, he would have he could still have an amazing career, just depending oh, on absolutely his performances at these major championships. I mean, number nineteen five is there's only been seven races faster, and the only people who've run faster are Bolt, Blake, and Johnson. That's it. So he's number five. In, in history. I think the mistake I made or we made is you see the 19.5, which was in a in Lausanne Diamond League, middle of July. You're like, ah, he's not even not even there yet, right? We're not even in the championship part of the season. We're gonna get get something even better. And at the time, that was 2019, so that was two years ago. He was 22? 21. Yeah, 21? I mean, he's, yeah. he's about to be 20. He's I guess three weeks away from his birthday. So he's like, yeah, 24, but yeah. But then you look at other people who have had amazing careers in track and field who have run their PBs right around that or their lifetime bests and they never hit that time again. So I think it was a good sign that he lost the prelim and was able to come back or lost the semi and was able to come back and win because the, the, like he dealt with enough pressure there. And not only was he feeling the pressure, he's feeling pressure from basically the 20s, 21 version of the 2016 Noah Lyles in area Knighton, except this a little bit of an upgrade, right? Yeah. Cause night Knighton's breaking both U 20 records. He's actually younger. He's only 17, even, which is crazy to say because of how in- insane Lyles was as a, right. As a but I'm saying that's got it, but that's got to increase the pressure. I mean, he doesn't want to lose to anybody, but I'm sure it's different when you're losing to somebody who's already on the come up and you're like, wait a minute, I haven't even had my Olympic moment yet. Right, I was right. too young in 2016. Now it's 2021. I'm going to be supplanted by someone younger. That's crazy. That's not how it's supposed supposed to work. Um, and then combine that with whatever other struggles he was going through, and then you have a a situation where he can get beat. So credit to, for pulling pulling it out. And now maybe he can get some better training in, and maybe this takes some of the pressure off to just go out there and and race. And maybe we'll see see the times drop again, but yeah, way closer I, than I thought entering the meet. 
No, for sure. And I, I mean, it's it's hard to picture Lyles getting like caught up by pressure and stuff like that, just because he seems like the most like just affable, fun dude, and who just is like mm-hmm. oozing with talent and everything's just a good time. But it's like hey, I, I won't pretend to know what to relate to what kind of pressure um, you have on you when you're that level of athlete and people are expecting you to perform at that, those kind of moments. Um, at the same time, he's, but you're a professional athlete. You're, you know, one of the best in the world at your thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of the deal, right? Like you have to be able to, to perform in those big, in those big moments. Um, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised like if next year, say, say Lyle's, he he just needs like this reset. If he can get through this year, basically, gotcha, and win gold, which is not like an easy thing to do, obviously. But it's like yeah. if he whatever the time is, if he can if he can win, and he is the favorite. He won these trials, and we mentioned who else is out there. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, very likely going to come from the U.S. His Bednarik seems like the best competition he's going to have. So if he can win gold, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him like get back to that old Lyles, maybe that's just a big weight off your back and yeah, Olympic gold medalist and everything where he, he might be able to settle back in and then maybe make those runs at 19-4 and those other things we had, you know, pinned on him as a possibility because he's still super young. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad he won. The sport is much better with Lyles being the Lyles. Like I just, it's way more mm-hmm. fun. Um, this team is extremely good, has a chance to sweep. I mean, won't be easy with Oduru and, and Grass, but basically you have you know five guys for three spots. Because um, I'd be shocked if anybody else kind of comes out of here. Uh, so yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be really good, and it's crazy that you know nineteen seven isn't the guaranteed gold. But Eric looks looks really really yeah. good too. And, and yeah, and Knighton nineteen eighty four. Like I, I would be surprised if he wins gold, <laughs> um, but uh, he's definitely got a shot at the medal. Youngest U.S. track Olympian since on the men's side since Jim Ryan. That's awesome. Arian Knighton, 17 years old. And here's the thing. Ordinarily with a kid this young, you'd say, ah, that long season is going to come back to hurt him later on. No, he's pro. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been on the pro schedule. He's That's fresh. And, that is. Well, I think part of that is why Laird got sixth and Knighton got third. You know, we'd seen Laird run those type of times this year, but he had an entire college season. Indoors, outdoors. Yeah, catch, I mean, it's it's so hard to know who it's going to catch up to and who it won't. I mean, we've seen so many college kids run amazing at this meet, um, but like sometimes it just happens. Laird, Laird will be around. I'm not worried about him going forward. Um, but yeah, man, the 200. If, if if these guys stick around, it's going to be uh, really really fun. And Curly got his sub 20. Didn't get yeah 1990. I mean, that's going to make you the team. That's going to win you a medal the majority <laughs> yeah. of the time. So now he becomes a third guy to be in the sub-10, sub-20, sub-44 club with Norman and Ben Nickirk, which is a fitting spot for him to be after he had smashed 10 a bunch of times and run in the 43s. He just needed to get that 200 down, and he did it from the inside inside lane. It's interesting. You think back to 2016. Oh, which which people will be around the next time there's the Olympic trials? It was an obvious choice that you were going to say Lyles and Norman. And it's they won their event. You say, "Oh, okay, they won their event. Things are going to to, to plan." But Aaron Knighton was how twelve then? Literally twelve in twenty sixteen. So uh, insane. Shakira Richardson didn't. She wasn't on the radar back then. 
uh, Gabby Thomas, you know, she ran in that, she ran in the 2016 Olympic trials, but I don't think anybody was like, yeah, she's going to run the second fastest time in history. And you could, the list could go on and on with all these athletes. It just shows you how quickly things change, especially when you have a situation where you, things get pushed back a year. Cause it, it was forever ago. The last Olympic trials, five years is an eternity in sports. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a whole yeah. It's I mean I guess next event I mean a thing Mo. That's another person who was yeah. not. I mean how could we have seen that coming? So a thing Mo. I'll look this up and let's see what her PB was in twenty sixteen. It's probably still ridiculously fast. Right? This is not going to prove better my than our PRs when we were in high school. So yeah, so five years ago she was thirteen, or or yeah, well she just turned she just turned nineteen, so about thirteen. In 2016, a thing Mo ran a 56 second 400, <laughs> a 210 800, and she ran 436 in the 1500, and that was when she was well 14 going on 15 that summer. So she was, had just turned 15. If yeah. I'm doing my ma- if I'm doing the math right, I may not be. Anyway, she runs 156, Jace, and mm. she controlled this race from the front. The last 200, it looked like she was set to 1.5x. Speed and everybody else was on your standard one point one point oh. Uh, I mean, this is what it looks like when you have a sub fifty second four hundred meter runner running yeah. eight hundred. That's that's what this looks like, and she's been eyeing this race all year. I think, just as we talked about the great planning a schedule with Sydney, another job, a great job getting Mo ready for this moment. Didn't show any signs of being phased they interviewed her because this was the five-hour weather delay thing because the heat she was at the track and they warmed up and then had to go home that would have thrown a lot of people off didn't throw her off at all no i don't think she could be phased no she just is in a complete zone right now for for how i mean for anybody this was an obviously insanely impressive race but it was i mean it was rudisha ish um that's the same it, thing that I thought of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, or, or I mean, even if you want to say Aji Wilson when like she was at her best, mm-hmm. like where she just kind of controls the race and it's just like gets that easy acceleration. Um, yeah, the way she she like you mentioned the way she closed the race, it was you know kind of kind of jumbled up there, but she just I don't know, it just looked so easy and she just looked so smooth throughout it. Um, she wins by over a second and a half. Um, you know, we talked about the Mo Wilson matchup and yeah. Audrey Wilson, you know, for the past few years, we would have said she was the best 800 meter runner in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we hadn't seen her a ton this year, but, but a little bit here and there. Um, I coming off the final turn, I thought she was not making the team. I thought I was watching the Donovan Brazier performance. <laughs> yes. Exactly. She was same thing. I thought, yeah. yeah, yeah. She was like in like fifth or something like that. And it looked like she was getting passed. Like yeah. she was going backwards and I was like, "Oh, she's she's done too. Like, what is what's happening?" Um, and then she she was able to dig up and find it, and just you know, I mean, qualified by point one six, so not not insanely close, but too close if you're Aji Wilson. Um, yeah. So I don't know a hundred percent, you know, what Wilson's feeling. You know, if if something's she's off. She, or she said it she is. had some issues in the buildup, but then she wouldn't go into it. Yeah, she said she wasn't going to talk about it until after the meet was over, and then the meet was over, and then she said she still don't want to talk about it. So, 
Fair. I don't know. Okay, whatever she wants, you know, to do. But I, so I don't know. I just know like a fully one hundred percent. Aji Wilson would have had ev- her hands completely full dealing with the thing Mo in this race. Yeah. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. But I, I think that was a survive and advance race for her, and she yeah. barely got through. And I think what could happen, and I don't know what the issue was in the build up. So I don't know if it's something that is going to be able to be rectified by by Tokyo or if it'll even matter because maybe a thing will be running 154 by then. But what I do know is Wilson's at least given herself a chance. Yeah. And it's, it's got over a month to get right. That's she could. And if things go her well, go her way and she gets back to running like the Audrey Wilson, we know she could still get a gold medal. That's a possibility. And we're going to look back at that last hundred meters Kind of in the same way we look back at Game Three of the Eastern Conference second round with the Bucks, our Bucks, yeah, squeak out that win with that Drew Holiday clutch spin move into the layup, and we and we think, man, they don't hit that, season's over, and then now we see what's happened. Shout out to the Deer District, but I have some questions for a thing about a thing, Mo, for you. Ready? Yeah. Uh, is she the gold medal favorite? Yes. Should she have run the 400 in this meet like you said she should have? I didn't say that. I never okay. said that. That's your other co-host. You're mixing us up again. Um, but you agreed with him. No, no. You brought it up. All you I said, said was, this is exactly what I said. I said she has a better chance of winning the trials in the 400 than she does in winning the 800 because there's no Aji Wilson in the 400. But on the what? Olympic stage, I think she should run the 800. So she, she should absolutely run the eight. Okay. All right, that's a fair take. That take actually aged well, unlike your other one. Should they make a new event just for a thing, Mo? Hey, how dare you besmirch the 600 and pretend like it doesn't exist? It just, This is 600-meter erasure. You know what I just realized? Hmm. And maybe you were going to plug this in anyway. We never played the world record song for Sydney. Oh, I did not. Which is like kind of a big deal. It is. I think we got so excited about it that we forgot about it. Um, so, yeah, Sydney, I'm sorry you had to wait. We had to wait for you to run your race, but it was worth it, just like this song is going to be. Well, it's a world record, the likes of which has never been seen. It's a world record. Highest, fastest, farthest your humans ever achieved Wouldn't believe if I told you Go to YouTube and I'll show you Got results to verify Soon it will be ratified Well, it's a world record The likes of which has never been seen Well, it's a World record Highest, fastest, farthest a human's ever achieved Well, it's a world record Well, it's a world record All right, let's move on. Well, we should at least say the name Raven Rogers because we never even said her words. Oh, yeah. And and she ran so well. Um, And we talked about like how she was kind of like a little like we were scared if she was going to make this team like she was she was vulnerable right because Mo and Wilson were going to make the team no matter what 
and Rogers it was the favorite for third, but there were like five other women who would be coming coming for Raven Rogers' spot. And she runs one fifty seven six, gets a PB, uh, and does it real easily and looks fantastic. So she's gonna be right there for metal possibilities as well. Yeah. And she was stuck in between Mo out there dominating and then and possibly getting the American record. So your eyes looking at that and then you're also watching to see what's going on with Wilson. And I was just amazed when Wilson came across there because I thought, how did she, she do that? But Rogers quietly with her kick gets the PB and gets the second spot. Um, yeah, this is the team I had, not in the order I had. I, I think I had Wilson, Moe, and Ro- – I actually, I know I did. Wilson, Moe, and Rogers. So I had actually everybody out of order. But I got, I got everybody there. And you had – Eight. Everybody in the field broke two, except for Aikens, who fell in the first lap. Uh, like that sucks. The, which Always the eight hundred. Yeah, so you could have had a racer where everybody was was sub two. I'm interested to see Mo now because I know they had this part charted out. I don't know past that how far they went. I will say in high school she ran a, a ton at those AAU meets, which went late into the summer typically. So we could be looking at a, a gold medalist here, and we could be look at so, looking at somebody who's going to run. Uh, under 156 for sure. Maybe she's able to get to Wilson's 800 meter record, uh, American record. Yeah. Of 155.61. But this was a this is a pretty perfect race for her. I guess you could say if you're trying to find spots where you could make up time, that third 200, they ran 30 seconds. But then she came back and ran a twenty-eight. So she had stuff left. Like she just looked like she was controlling it. Yeah, honestly, making I mean, sh- the only thing it would be if someone was there to kind of push her even more. Yeah, like because yeah. she, I mean, she was leading from the front, which she could do. But I guess if, if she really felt like someone was on her, you know, mm-hmm. like to to do it, because she started separating. I think in that third two hundred, right? Like, I mean, she was not like set like. It wasn't over, but it was like, okay, she's she's in control of the race. And then uh, it was over, over, uh, obviously, that last 200. Well, yeah, at that last part, she – before 600, she opened it up a bit because, well, no, they still had – Chanel Price was right there. It, like it was going like, – it was clearly yeah. going in one direction. Yes. There's people who it, who lead at 600 who you don't know if they're going to be able to hold it, and there's people who lead at 600 <laughs> and you think, oh, it's only going to get – bigger from here like the margin's only going to get wider as they go and mo is the latter you yeah. you saw the direction that race was going it was it was pretty pretty obvious i mean first lap 57.5 they didn't dawdle no so she goes about 57 and, and 59 i mean in, in her 157 race she ran 60 and then 57 so this race she flipped that a little bit and went went faster out the gate but i think it was smart to not get box but i think she could have run this from any direction that she pleased okay four minute hurdles for the men let's talk about that one then we'll get to the the high hurdles and then we'll go the the rest of the distance races men's 15 men's five steeple and then 10k we're gonna have to go fast jason no we won't go that fast all i have to say about this is there's a reason rye benjamin was on the all decade team even though jason (laughs) mocked me when we made our all decade selections last year and it's for this reason, number two all time. You know what? He's already clinched this all decade team. Jace, I don't even need Man. to see it anymore. Yeah. So come talk to me in twenty thirty when we do that all decade team. Right, I Benjamin. Will. 
on the list. We'll come talk to you. Whether we're doing the podcast or not, we're going to do an all-decade team. So yeah. um, that's that's definitely going to happen. Uh, yeah, no, Benjamin looked extremely good, obviously. 46-83 was, you know, made a real run at the world record. Um, passed my boy, Warholm, mm. in PBs. Um, so I don't know if we're going to get a, a fully a fully Samba performance before then, but okay. Benjamin Warholm is going to be amazing. And uh, now I need to see Warholm do a... He's kind of been taking it easy there here for a little bit after being the only guy to take last year seriously, basically. Uh, <laughs> so I would love to see him, obviously, over the next couple weeks, maybe, to get out there and just drop down another, you know, 47-0, 46 high, something like that, just to... You're luck, really Jason. even make this rivalry that much uh, more, uh, you know, uh, anticipate anticipated that much more because this is about as good as it gets, right? I mean, these two going at it, and maybe we'll we'll finally get the world record. Is it going to happen? <laughs> these two will bring it out of each other in, in the Olympics. Well, Sydney and Muhammad are like, all right, this is how you do it. But he's yeah. running Oslo. He's running Oslo this week. Warholm, perfect at home. So it's going to be fast. And after seeing he, Benjamin do forty six eight, what I mean, that's going to yeah, he's going to respond. He's going to respond. Both these four hundred and normally a pretty low key guy, but he'll probably be hyped up for this one. Yeah. Uh, listen, you got two amazing four hundred hurdle events right now, men and yes. women, and they got even better based on the results of the past weekend. You yeah. could not have designed. I guess if Benjamin got the world record, that's the only thing that would make it even better. But I almost like it better. I want the record to go down when they're racing each other. Me too. Yep. I agreed. don't want it to be a. It just just as it's better when it's Muhammad and McLaughlin in the same race, I want them to do it in a race with each other. It doesn't need to be the Olympics, although that'd be cool too. But it could be a a Diamond League as well too. I want to see them in the race together. Kenny Selman, David Kenzeri got the other two spots. This was weird. This race was weird because there were so many DQs and DNFs yeah. because people hit hurdles. Uh, Sean Burrell, Quincy Hall, Amir Latin all didn't make the final. I mean, it would be it would be akin to. I don't know, like a, like if the men's hundred, like if if uh, Ronnie Baker went out and Isaiah Young went out and Gatlin went out and <laughs> Curly went out, it was just so many people were dropping like flies. Now Benjamin was the the main figure in this event for the U.S. and that was his his dominance was never in doubt. But yeah, and even. A lot of the contenders down. You know, I mean, no matter what, you want to make an Olympic team, and, and I, it mm. sucks for those guys regardless. Medals were really not available <laughs> um, out there, I don't think, for any of the other Americans. But, you're talking uh, about in Tokyo. What's that? And you're talking about when they go to Tokyo? Yes, yeah, yeah. Sorry. That's what oh, I mean. yeah, not just the big three. We've talked about the Dos Santos from Brazil. It, we talked about Kyron McMaster. It's a deep event. Yeah, that's why, I mean, like I said, you want to make a team, so I'm not going to belittle them like saying, well, they couldn't have medaled anyway. Um but it's you know there's there's going to be four or five guys for for three medal spots, um, mm-hmm. and I don't think any of these any of the Americans were going to get there besides Benjamin. Mm-hmm. High hurdles. Grant Holloway ran the final in the semi, Whew. but almost did it. Almost took down Merritt's record. I know I've talked about it a lot. Grant Holloway's going to break twelve eighty. Now I seem like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, because you talked about. That was mm-hmm. one of your predictions, right? That he was going to yeah. set the record. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we 
we had to re-go over Merritt's year that year because it was the most absurd year ever. Let me do that. Should I do that again? I, I mean, it's I'm, I'm, I would never get tired of hearing it. And Holloway didn't show literally any signs of this at all. He had not well, gone under 13 this year. Yes, um, he, he had been just completely good, right? Like, which there's nothing wrong with that. He's won mm-hmm. every race he's been in. He's the best in the world. Like, that's that's really all it is. It's just that he, you know, he was, oh, yeah, I remember in 13-1, 13-0, 13-1, 13 Like, cool. That's fine. But then to drop 12-81 in the rounds, in the semis, yeah. and then 12-96, like, that's, that would have been, even though I, I thought Holloway could set the world record, that would have been kind of out of nowhere, right? Because usually we're used to these guys ripping off five, six, seven of these kind of races in a row, 12, nine, 12, nine, 12, eight, you know, something. And this was like, okay, I'm going to run 13, 10. And now I'm going to run 12, seven and like, okay, well, cool. He went, Merritt went sub 13 counting wind data performances nine times before his world record. And he says world record on the 10th one in 2012. So yeah, you're right. I thought it was more, it would have been more akin to maybe Kenny Harrison Mm. who, What's the sub what's the sub thirteen equivalent for women? Twelve four? Four? Okay, so she ran only once or twice sub twelve four. And she ran twelve four exactly before the world record run in twenty sixteen. So her and her best time she ran a twelve twenty four, so there was a hint there. So it's not even that wouldn't have been comparable. You're right. This one would have been at a twelve ninety eight all the way down to twelve eighty would have been a huge drop. Yeah, and he even, and he hadn't even run twelve ninety eight this year. He'd run thirteen oh four or whatever this year. Um, so yeah, I mean it's. I mean, hey, it, I, I want to see him go after it and get it and. You know, now he'll maybe maybe this is just where he starts his run, right? Like this is the first mm-hmm. big performance, and he's going to run sub thirteen for the next few weeks, and yeah. then do it. Like that wouldn't surprise me at all. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of Grant Holloway's world. I, I just don't. No one can touch him if he gets into that kind of mode. Mm-hmm. And Omar McLeod looks like we'll miss the Olympics because he didn't make it out of the Jamaican trials. Yeah, which would be a momentous change to the event um what's a little bit of a field event interlude and then we'll get to the distance mm, races yeah because we can play another song here american record in the hammer went down in the men and the women deanna price gets it done in the hammer competition breaking her own american record can we play the song please jason of course hey man did you see that record no, not a world, but an American record. Maybe it was a world record, too. It was the best performance by an American citizen or a relating composed of American citizens and an athletics event within the United States or abroad. Hey man, did you see that American record? Also in the field events, 
Javon Harrison, I just want to mention him real quick. We're not going to do a deep dive in the field events. But qualifies in the high jump and the long jump on the same day. First person, they said, first American since Jim Thorpe in 1912 to do that. <laughs> That's a real stat. I didn't just make that up. No, but it sounds made up. That's why I'm laughing because it's so insane when you can do both. Like, that shouldn't happen. Like, that should happen in high school because, <laughs> you know, if you're if you're sticking out, like, you're just that much better of an athlete than everybody else. So, like, you of need course. team points. Like, yeah, let's, yeah, let's throw him in literally any event and he's going to do this. <laughs> and in college, you could be like, all right, I could still see it because if you're just, again, that total freak where who, who you're going to be, you're already one of the best in the world. Like, just default, you're going to be great in the other one. Mm-hmm. It should not happen at the u.s olympic trials <laughs> like that's just so insane so if uh <laughs> we should start calling those casey doubles in honor of our old teammate yeah the, 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 now the mile high jump a little bit different but <laughs> we should start calling these casey doubles i love it okay men's 1500 go yeah this uh this went mostly how i expected it to um really well, except for the very, very end. Um, I mean, because this looked like a vintage Centro performance, right? Like, as it was happening, he, like, completely took just, like, command of the race. It was like, hey, guys, I've got an Olympic gold medal. I'm just, everyone key off me. I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to outkick you all. And that's the mm-hmm. way this works. And it was a giant cluster with a lap to go. Like, there was, it wasn't, like, super slow, you know, like, 335 for the winners. Like, so it wasn't, it wasn't this crawling thing, but it was just slow enough where literally every single person was in the race mm-hmm. with one to go. So there was a lot of tripping and, you know, clipping and everything going on. Um, and Centro looked like he had control, and Cole Hawker, like, was boxed in <laughs> yeah. with, like, well, for half the race, and then like was in seventh, and then went backwards to loop around and come forward, and somehow ended up in the right spot at the right time, and then just did what he's basically done the whole year. And that closing speed—I mean, they, him and Centro were just like neck and neck, and it was really awesome to see. And Hawker getting a little cocky doing the shush, like, man, you guys were still really close. Like, just wait that extra. <laughs> half a tick man like you you won by 0.06 like maybe just get past but um good for you man i don't know why you're shushing your home crowd as well weird move <laughs> that's what i did not i understand don't either. really you're, dude you're like wearing an oregon jersey and you're at oregon yeah, yeah. your, your dorm is probably like tw- like 30 yards from there he like uh, watched a lot of trey young this playoffs and he's just like trying to figure out what to do he's like i want to be the villain and it's like no you can't you're in oregon um well and you're you're an upstart too he said it was there was people out there doubting him which he ran a 350 mile indoors so there's always everyone doubting everyone right like it's just a i listen i don't know if this happened in the previous generation because i wasn't doing media in the previous generation but yes, you're correct. And I guess if you go online, you can find literally anybody to doubt you about anything. I, yep. I mean, you could go find someone who's the greatest in a field and they could post about themselves or what they did and the first comment would be lame or whatever. So I, I guess that's who they're talking about. But that's just random people yelling from the side of the street. Like, yes. That's not actual. There was no article out there. There was no critical analysis done that said you know who is 
not going to perform well at the Olympic trials. 20-year-old Cole Hawker, who doubled at the NCAA Indoor Championship and then won the 1500 and has run a 350 mile and has been putting out stupid time after stupid time this year. Nobody was doubting it. Well, that's like, I remember I was watching, I can't remember if it was the semis or the, or the finals of the, of the high hurdles. And afterwards, Holloway said, yes, Holloway does it too. Yeah. He goes like, never give up. Like, (laughs) I, I agree with the message. But where, in what world were you? Give, were people telling you to give up, or were yeah, you? Yeah. You're the favorite. Yeah. yeah. And Cole Hawker, you weren't the favorite. You were, sure. you know, uh, not not crazy that he he made the team. Um. So man, enjoy your moment. That's totally fine. It was just here's, I thought it was a little little hilarious to to shush the crowd. Here, here's what I think is funny, and I think here's what separates Cole Hawker, and you could say Centro too, because Centro in 2011 was not much older than Cole Hawker is now. The audacity to think that you can can perform at this high level at this age, because you have every reason not to, right? Right. You've you've already won the NCAA title. You're all good. And in Hawker's case, doesn't need doesn't need to win. I know he wants to win. He's programmed to win there. But it's pretty clear what's happening in that last hundred. He knows how good he can kick. He knows no one's coming from behind him. And all that matters is. Are all that's left to be decided is one or two, which ultimately isn't going to matter in terms of getting on a plane to Tokyo. And yet he still is that competitive to win. Like he did not blink at all in that home stretch, which and to get, is, I mean, to win, winning the Olympic trials is a huge sure deal. I mean, I know overall, like, hey, you want to make the team, and him making him making the Olympics is obviously every bit the goal that day. But to outkick the defending gold medalist to win sure your trials yeah like that 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 means a lot of course right but don't you think like i think this is what's when we talk about the psychology of elite athletes versus the rest of us with a hundred to go once he gets out of the box and he's chasing central and he's almost even with central he knows in the back of his head at least for a split second i'm on the team yes right and and that would ordinarily cause a relaxation impulse, I would think, or, a, or at least loss of focus. But you're right. He was thinking, I want to beat the Olympic champion. I want to win the Olympic trials. And I just think that's, that's an incredible mindset to have at such a young, young age. Yeah, and, and I would say, honestly, the way, way we've watched Hawker close all year. Yes. I mean, he's 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 had ch- he'll have a chance for a medal. I mean, it, things have to really break right. You know, he has to be in the mm-hmm. right spot. But like with that kind of closing speed, but also Centro, like he was with them like every step and just barely lost. But like that's really, really, really close to vintage Centro, and that's a really good sign. He said he went. He thought he went too early, and I actually looked back at the race. He had a decent sized gap with a hundred to go that Hawker closed. And I know we're not used to seeing. I think it was Centro didn't have the full, like his full kick in in motion until Hawk until he like had Hawker on his shoulder, like he knew he okay. was there. But I don't. I mean, maybe I'm just crazy seeing what I want to see. But it seemed like Centro's like fully in control and he's doing his, you know, finish. But all of a sudden Hawker gets on him and that pushes Centro to that next gear, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then they were neck and neck. And then it was only after yeah that you know whatever thirty meters ago or whatever it was that Hawker kind of separated just slightly but either way 
really fun. Um, yeah. Central will be almost certainly in a perfect position at the Olympics, whether, yeah. you know. And Hawker wasn't yeah, the whole not race. at all. <laughs> it, and was, you can uh, go... it was an Asbel Kipropian kind of race. And I wonder, do we overrate tactics, Jason? I don't know. <laughs> well, because you see a result like that. Central does – now, he had to do a lot of leading, but he, he seemed to do everything perfectly, and it didn't really – it didn't matter the ultimate outcome because with 100 to go, I had just seen Hawker do that too many times that I forgot that Central was the Olympic champion. I thought, oh, this is another Hawker victim basically of a mm-hmm. kick, and that's what it turned out to be, but – I, I guess we always Monday morning quarterback all the tactics in 800s and 1500s and 5Ks as well when they go slow. But by virtue, like he got out of the box and maybe he used less energy the first three and yeah. a half laps. I mean, it, it was dating. And, and, I mean, I'm trying to remember Hawker in particular, but a lot of those guys in there were well, Angles close to totally... falling at any moment. Yeah, and Ingles. Angles was in jail. Yeah, he's, I think he's still there, different. and he's trying. Yeah. He's going to have nightmares about trying to get out yeah. of that. And it's it's. Uh, I mean, he finishes fourth. We mentioned we didn't mention Nagus gets gets third and and angles yeah. fourth. Um, it you know it, it's just brutal. I mean, fourth is always brutal, but like I'm sure angles is you know just driving himself crazy because he just couldn't go. You know, mm-hmm. and then by the time he he gets loose, too you late. Know, with hundred yeah. to go, it's yeah, it's, it's just too too late. But um. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, I do not think uh, Taxis will be overrated at the uh, at the Olympic finals, like like because he's going to have to chase down uh, Lil Britson or Chariot yeah. or if he's on the team and whoever else. Like that, that's as solid as this field is. Um, you add in, uh, you know, some Kenyans, some Ethiopians, some Britsons. Yeah, all I'm saying is, <laughs> well, we don't know. Chariot might not be on the team. Yeah, which I'll, is nuts. I'll, all I'm saying is usually when you get boxed in, it's when you're on the rail. Most times. Yes. Right? It's like, oh, man, they're boxed. They're boxed. They're boxed. But that also means you're running less distance or you're running the, the least possible distance you can. So then if it ever does open up, then at least you've expended less energy. Now, maybe you've wasted all that just because you've been nervous and and it, and it and you're jittery and then you're less likely to make a solid move. But I mean, Hawker popped out of that thing like he was fresh. And ready to roll. And I, I guess I would just say Centro I, I basically ran perfect tactically, and he did lose. So yeah, yeah. But yeah. but he like that's exactly how you wanted to run this race. And guess what, Matt Centrowitz, all he needed to do like that race meant more to Cole Hawker winning than Matt Centrowitz. I was to say I'm I'm trying to imagine Hawker in an Olympic setting. Yeah, but now I think, but now I think a month ago I was trying to imagine him in an Olympic trial setting, and it always looks the same. It's Hawker, it's right? Like that's just, that's just the way he runs, and he has this insane acceleration. But you can't get rid of him because he can run three thirty-five. Um, we should note he never hit the standard, but he's ninety-nine percent chance likely to get through on his world ranking, according to my colleague at FlowTrack, Gordon Mack, who obsesses about these things. So he will have enough points to to move on. To, to Tokyo, which would mean that, yeah, Engels is the odd man out. Solid race for Nagus. You're right. Just kept a low profile back there. And, and he, can, he can kick really well, too. It's just, he just happens to be kicking at the same time as one of the all-time great NCAA kickers. <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and I felt being... like he was in, like, 
lane two for the entire race, it seemed yeah. like. like it, it seemed like he was always making a move, but he never was able to get back to the rail. Uh, yeah. So credit to him for still, you know, running the extra extra distance, but still still having plenty left. Well, you got to make a choice. Do you want to be on the rail and get boxed or on the inside and get boxed? Or do you want to run more on the outside and be yeah. free to move around? And those are the choices you make. I thought it was interesting. Center went to the back and then he immediately just moved up to the to the outside and then slowly wound it up. But if you if you watch that race, I think you brought up a good point about him running his best race. If you watch that race solely from the perspective of third is as good as first, it's a genius race for Centro. Oh yeah. Because he goes out there, stays out of trouble, makes it just fast enough to get rid of people and also you know, have enough kick left to where he's still in his comfort zone and can finish in the top three. Cause there was no point in that race when I thought, Oh, he's not going to finish top three. No. <laughs> I mean, he was, he, he was in control despite, despite losing this race. And it's another survive and advance situation. It's like we talked about with Ajay Wilson. Now Centro has made his way into another Olympic team, yep. right? Another team. He's made every single one since 2011. What can he do now? Especially if, we have minus Britsons and we have Chariot not in there. And it becomes an old school wide open race. I did think it was funny. He got asked in the press conference, like, were you ever not confident that you could make the team in the buildup? And he's like, well, I keep, people keep saying this as if I was like ever bad. And he's like, I don't mean to be, you know, come across this way, but I finished top three in every single championship since, you know, whatever, going back 10 years. And COVID, I didn't really compete. Yeah, I didn't really compete. And then, you know, 2019, I made the team. And, you know, this year he's like, yeah, I ran the 150, but that was just to like know where I was at. And once I knew that, it was fine. And I thought, oh, I'm probably one of those people. We were probably one of those people. You see the the one 150 and the 340, whatever he ran. And then you start thinking, your, your mind starts wandering and you wonder, okay, is this it? <laughs> and then he he knew what he was doing the whole time. Yeah, it's it, it does seem you know silly now that he got back. I guess yeah, he just didn't. We didn't see him run a bunch. He's only thirty one, so it, you know if he was a few years older, it could have been like an age thing, but probably not yeah. too worried about it now. But yeah, it's, it's just I guess it's just out of sight, and you see a couple other guys run well, and it just gives you that that little thing in the back of your mind. But well, you told me you texted me. I think it was during the meet. You basically were saying I'm not going to pick anybody ever again who doesn't show. Fitness, right? Is that right. what you texted me? Like, yeah, it was yeah. basically <laughs> like I'm tired of just assuming people are going to be good. Like, yeah, because it's like people who didn't show me anything all year. Like, I'm tired of of picking those people. Like, because it's mm. it just and sometimes you're going to get burned. Like, you know, I mean, Centro started showing a little a little bit before this race, so that I think he got himself out of that category. Mm-hmm. But Lyles in the hundred, I was like, there's no reason to pick no Lyles in the hundred. There just wasn't. Like he 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 didn't look good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there was no reason to pick Molly Huddle, but I picked. You know, I, I was I was still still riding that train. Like so, it's, it's I get it. Sometimes it's just so easy to go. Hey, but it's blah blah blah. You mm-hmm. have to pick them, and but it's just it's yeah. I feel like if someone's keeps Jenny trying Simpson. to show you signs that they're not there, <laughs> then you maybe just should listen. Yeah, it's tough though because you're gonna pick against Jenny Simpson. She hasn't missed the team. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is like I think I ended up picking Simpson because she's Jenny Simpson. There was not a lot of other reasons <laughs> to pick her. But all right, 
men's 5K. This is where Jason is going to rant about running the right way. Because Jason, he's a rule guy. He's a rules guy. He doesn't like celebration. doesn't like fun. But he does He does like Paul Chalimo. So this is going to be interesting to hear where you come down on this. Of course, Paul Chalimo gets the win. Uh, physical race a couple times. He didn't like how closely the Bowerman Track Club runners were running to him. Remember, he didn't go there to pace the Bowerman Track Club. Yeah. In another instance, uh, Hassan Mead, he got upset with Hassan Mead for – being too close. But the real controversial part was with 100 to go, he's in the lead. Fisher is chasing. Kincaid joins the party after breaking free from a box himself. And Chalimo starts running more to the outside, 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 eventually ending up in lane four. Never made contact with Fisher or Kincaid. Ultimately, it didn't really impact the result because those three were away. Cooper Tier stayed in lane one which looked to be about half a mile away from those guys, and and got fourth. But I want to hear your opinion on this as a guy who likes sport being run the right way. <laughs> hey, don't don't paint me as the uh, old okay. man yelling at a cloud. But um, I'm not a huge fan of the you know the premature celebrations and stuff like that. That's not this. This is a little different. He did the headlock after the race, by the way. Right, in, we'll talk about that in a second. I guess it was like, so weird. Overall, just what what are you doing, Chalimo? <laughs> Stay in your lane, man. Like, no, what are you doing? You're trying to win. That's what you're doing. Yeah, but and it that's makes it, lame. It's lame. That's a better. No, it's not. That's a, okay. I'll let you finish. Go ahead. It, yeah, it's you just said I'm not going to be an old man, and then you're like, that's lame. No, it is. Sorry, run like your purpose. Like, is this isn't car racing? <laughs> like, you're not. Don't, don't mm-hmm. impede another. Like, finish hard. Drifted, the only way you should be drifting out to lane seven is if you're Ezekiel Kemboy and you're <laughs> leading by 50 meters and you're about to do a dance. That's when I want you drifting out. But other than that, I just, I don't know. It's, you it's drifted it's out on me. You drifted out on me so many times doing 800 meter reps at Palo oh, High School. Reps, I don't want to hear we, would, this. we would end up just getting closer and closer until we were like shoulder to shoulder for some reason. Right. That's and then you were impeding me. Yeah. And you were impeding me. And I never said anything about it until <laughs> now. But where's the line? Like, could he drift to two? Sometimes, like, and I get sometimes you just drift, but at a certain point, this looks sure. like yes. Obviously, you're just doing this to. Of course, he is lock. But that's, and I just that's not I don't, to me. That's not part of racing. Listen, listen. A couple of years ago at the World Indoor Championships, you went after Safan Hassan for doing a similar thing, but she kind of put her arm out there. Well, that's that's that that's where it's the unquestionable bad move right there. Right now, I I am anti DQ for most things. So I argued with you at that point. But this is not even close I, to that. I'm not saying he should have been DQ'd. I don't, I don't think that at all. I Here's my thing. Like, what are you doing? What, what, you're literally doing that so you can win. It's not there's no, other, there's no other reason for it. I mean, Fisher didn't have a problem with it. He said, it's fine. That's the smart way to race. My thing is this. I think when you are going on down the home stretch, the, the, the rules aren't clear on this because it's track. Nothing can be clear. Yeah, you can you can hold your you can stay straight in your line, right? And you can go around the curve and and stay inside of lane one, or you can just like pick an angle. And right. the thing with Chilimo is he clearly picked an angle because there it wasn't a sudden movement; it no. was very gradual. And when I watched it the first time and I didn't know what had happened, it kind of was like, oh wow, they're already in four. Wait, what the what the hell happened? Just because it looked like they were they were all running on that same line and they were staying the exact same distance relative to each other it just kept moving a little bit farther out a little bit farther out i think if there's contact 
Obviously, it's a different story. If he does a sudden movement, if he lowers his shoulder, <laughs> all those horse collar tackle, all those things uh, are different. But I didn't have a problem with it. I think you're I think playing with fun. fire a little bit. Like, it but did- you always are in track because there's never an, it's never written down. That's my thing. Like this rule is never written down. No, but if you this, if you this are, is a DQ, if you stay in lane DQ. one and someone charges up your back, they're going to disqualify that person. It's just the way it is. If you're drifting yeah. out and all of a sudden you drift into somebody who's about to pass you, like, and you're in first and you're guaranteed a spot, like you're a multiple time medalist. Like you don't need to be messing around with this stuff. Well, whether or not it was a like whether or not it was worth the risk, that's a different debate. I'm just talking about whether or not it should be a DQ because no, yeah, no, I, I do I not think it, you should be DQ'd. I, I uh, making that clear. I just think it's kind of like, come on, man. I look at it like you're driving a car on the road, and if you get rear-ended, it's always the person, it's the person from behind's responsibility, right? Well, unless you, unless as that car is just about to come level with you, you change lanes and go into them, then no, it's not their responsibility. Dude, tell the California Highway Patrol that for me because I have some stories to tell you. Just, just as if you get clipped a lot of times or most times in a race, it's the other on the you know it's kind of the responsibility of the person behind to be figuring out where they should be, and I think the person in front is able to dictate where they want to go with within. Within reason. Yeah. Because listen, here's the other part of it. It's not without risk. He opens up lane one or two or three, and there could have been somebody else behind him. So it's not as if this is a foolproof strategy that nobody else can like it didn't it didn't have inherent risk in it. I just think if you do it gradually enough, it's no it's like people run people out to two all the time and we don't think about it because it's two. And it's just because it went on a little longer than people have a problem with it. But again, I've seen you do this tactic all the time. <laughs> and I don't I, I was I stuck to the rail like a champ. No, you don't you don't want to stick well, if Jenny Simpson's behind you, you want to stick to the rail. Yeah, she'll, exactly. She'll you don't want to leave that leave that opening. I just feel like like you are I, I if anything, I just think it's a poor move in like the in a strategy too. Like it slows you down. Like there's just Okay, and I'll hear that. I'll hear that. Yes, it's, it's just I, it, I just don't get it. Like I don't know, and I get he has this whole thing with the Bowerman Track Club, and so that's part of it, probably. You just don't like rivalries. I don't. I, I love rivalries, but like, did you like it? How right is as he crossed the finish, he grabs both of them as if he was long lost <laughs> friends and puts them in headlocks. What's like little headlock? That's because how do you not love Paul Chalimo? He's <laughs> he's such a great guy, but also I I could also just go. Eh, I didn't love that. I didn't love that move. I loved it. I loved it even more. And I like the fact that he uh you know, he was all cool with them like a second after the race. We got an email from you'll like this email. Uh this is not Brother Colin. I'll keep it brief. Paul Chalimo's move into lane four in the five K is the same as James Harden hooking his arm around a defender's arm and flailing for a foul mm. call. I do not disagree. <sighs> I do. So that would have been if Fisher fell down. So it's it, hey, it's in the rules. Leg. Right? No, it's not. It. In, nothing is in the rules. That's no, my he's, point. He's allowed. That's the thing is he gets the calls, so it's a good move, right? No, the call would have been he's not. He's still running. He's not flopping. If don't compare people to James Harden, you I'm know that's sorry. A automatically that's kinda, win an argument seems against that, I'm thinking Colin kind of nailed this one. No, it reminds me of the Cardinals, Jason, or something. I don't know. I'm trying to find you. I just think you know, like I said, like it, it is that same kind of thing. It's like fine. It's in the rules. It, it's with. It's within the rules. You're not gonna, and he shouldn't get DQ'd for it. 
but it also is like, is that what you want to watch? Is that how you want to watch a race finish? I mean, kind of, right? No. It's, if there's contact, contact's interesting, isn't it? No. What's interesting is like, hey, this dude's coming up on the outside. Is he going to catch him in time? I just think it would have been funny if Cooper Tier won and they were fighting in lane four. Oh, nothing would have made me happier, for sure. Yeah. Like, that's that. And if he tried something like that at the Olympics, there's, you know, five dudes who would be ready to uh, fly by on the inside. But here's the thing. Just to, I want to get into very granular detail about this. If he comes off the last curve shoulder to shoulder with them, you can't do that move because then you're running directly into him and he's going to knock him over. Correct? Yeah, of course. Okay. If he's a stride or a half a stride behind, it's harder to do that because you don't know that they're there. And then by the time they move up, if they're going faster, it's it's too soon and then you make a sudden right turn. They were at like the optimal distance behind him for that to work. And I think anybody who's run a, a you know a race or a rep with you in particular knows what that feeling's like when you have like when you have somebody on your shoulder, you can feel it and you can sense it. So I don't think this was Chalima wasn't gonna do this in every single scenario, and I don't think he was gonna barrel into people if they came up all of a sudden on his outside. I think he did it in a very specific scenario where he could kind of sense that they were right there and he knew he just needed to have them run a little bit of extra distance, a little bit of extra distance, a little bit of extra distance. That's what I think. I think sometimes you you drift out to lane two because, like, like you said, it's subcon- you're just you're going fast, you're going for everything, and it's and sometimes that that happens. When it's more than that, it's just I don't know. Like I want people to race. I don't want this like well, you're running, blocking you're... you so that you have, now you have to come on inside. I'm gonna. Like, well, he's this an aggressive. This isn't F one. F one's pretty popular. Maybe it should be. Uh, Maybe. Well, Chilimo is pretty physical. Like he had that one race, that Diamond League, where he got DQ'd because he literally put his arms out. Yeah, I that was that was bad. That, yeah, that's. I'm not defending. I'm not defending that. 100. percent I'm not defending that. But I, I just all I'm saying is you're just trying to, you're trying to get them to run an extra distance, just as you would off of a curve, right? You don't let somebody pass on the inside rail. But you don't so move you, out to lane three. You, you, you don't. You're right. You you don't go out to three, but you do go out to. You go out half a lane, right, to push them a little bit wider. Well, yeah, perhaps. you speed up to make sure that they have to keep running that. Like, to me, that's But that's why that's why the different. inside – the reason why inside rails open up so much on the inside and people like Jenny Simpson dart through them is because people are moving out. And sometimes they're moving out just because they get a clear lane and, I don't know, it's Timothy Chariot and he's running by himself. But a, a lot of it is just your, your subconscious takes over and you're trying to beat this person and they're g- getting closer and closer. Like, you can feel them on your shoulder – and the instinct is to just make it a little bit more difficult on them. Yes, and I think there's instinct, and I don't think this was instinct. I think this was like, I'm doing this purposely. <laughs> well, I think it was instinct combined with what he thought was the best chance to win. I don't know. I just saw people thinking he was going to be DQ'd. I no, no. Like I said, I didn't think DQ'd, take. but I'm just kind of like, I'd rather I'd rather about, race actually play out. What about, what about, I mean, I, prob- I probably agree with you on that because I wouldn't, I don't want to talk about it for forever, but... What about this uh, tweet from Nick Willis? Uh, let me see if I can find it. I always love Nick Willis. So Fisher and Kincaid didn't want to risk tripping, so played it safe and stayed wide for top three. Any other race, they would have held their line more, and Chilimo's cheap tactics would have gotten him DQ'd. That's the thing. Is it, 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 and it depends how the collision happens. Like I said, if he if Kincaid gets, you know, not side by side with him, but like halfway there. 
you know, where he's like kind of right there and then Chalimo's causing the collision, he has a chance to get DQ'd. Absolutely. I just, I don't think Fisher and Kincaid were playing it safe and stayed wide. I think they were right again at that optimal spot on his shoulder and they could feel Chalimo going towards them. So they were having to move out and move out. I just, Grant Fisher got beat by the tactic and said he didn't have a problem with it. And that's fine. And Fisher can say that. Like I just, like I said, overall, I don't, I don't need that in racing. Like I wish people could go. I wish we had tape of you racing, man. I would play it right now. Just I just small. outkicked everybody. That's what I did. <laughs> Didn't matter which which direction I was. It was over. Elbows helping is what they called him, folks. <laughs> Elbows helping. So Fisher and Kincaid qualified in both. Yeah, ten k. Impressive. And uh, Jason, aka Tony Larusa, um, was pretty upset about that. Please never, never make me yeah. that guy. Well, I don't know, man. You're gonna throw James Harden at me. I've got three less DUIs than him, so I guess. Okay, that's... yeah, that was probably. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't mean to no, in that sense. <laughs> Actually, as soon as I said that, I thought, well, is there other like really problematic things about Tony Larissa that I shouldn't have made that reference? It's tough now to make. It's true. You never know. Yeah, you pick someone just... to be in Greatest American Ever, and he ends up being some weird thing. What was the guy that I picked? And it was from like, oh yeah, 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 I don't know. It yeah, was yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the pole vaulter. I don't remember his name. Nope, me neither, which is good. <laughs> good. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the women's 10K. Yeah. Which was just a Emily Sisson show out there <sighs> for a half hour. What did you think about her approach to that race? It's, it's as if she turned it into like a road race. You know, so honest from the gun, no tactics, no messing around, right? Yeah, it was, and in that heat too. Um, but she yeah, just... this was Saturday. Also, by the way, I know a lot of people are saying like you knew it was going to be hot, and it wasn't until the heptathlete uh, Talia Brooks fainted that they actually postponed the meet for everybody. But they could have kept the if they pushed both sections super late. I know they didn't want to because of TV or whatever. You could have had these distance races at night. Yeah, at two, which would have been awesome. Yes. Yeah. And we were both texting about how cool it looks at night. Um, but Sisson yeah. was just like, I'm not messing around. Screw this. I'm just going yeah. to. I mean, it was just such a dominant, like, FU performance. And mm-hmm. I loved it. It was so, I, I mean, it's just just completely owned the race. And um, I think it was smart. Obviously, it worked. Um, you know, there was a huge gap between three and four anyway. Schweizer got second, Monson got third, and then like mm-hmm. 17 seconds back. Um, yeah. But yeah, Sisson, I mean, was just, man, she, she looked so good. It was just really impressive. And what, what she, like the second 5K was what, like 15, 10 or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, she just, she said she wanted to make it honest and waited for a bit. And then when it was time to to go, she went. And I said it after the marathon i said she's had one chance to make the olympic team she's got two more with the five and ten you can't give emily sisson three shots to make an olympic (laughs) team and expect her not to to make one of them and she scratched the five so she goes all in on the 10 which in retrospect great decision yep (laughs) obviously you know these women's five and ten fields really were hampered by injury issues yeah and obviously well and the schedule issues too with you know, Perrier St. Pierre not being able to run the 5K, Roberry, Huddle, uh, D'Amato. The Hulahan situation, yeah. Hulahan. 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You go on and on and on. But I think even if everybody was there, I don't think three people were going to beat Emily Susan. No chance. No chance. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, it was it, – and it was kind of like the, hey, I missed my shot at the moment. Yeah. Like I, I'm just – I'm not – Not throwing away my like, shot. No one – yeah, no one – so I love it. And I think that's smart when you're like one of the, you know, the classes of the field. Yeah. And if you can just, if you can just take bad luck and everything else out of the equation and mm-hmm. it's, there's still a little bit of risk because it's like, Hey, it's a hot day and I'm just yeah. going to go out there and like, like there's the chance you hit that wall or something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm such a fan of this style of, of race. She's just so solid. Yeah. I was then at no point was I worried for her. Like she never looked, she never faltered, at least that I could tell. Would you say she ran it the right way? Yes, I think that's the important thing. The important thing is she didn't run out to lane four. Um, she she won in lane one. <laughs> I'm gonna laugh when Chalima does that at the Olympics. Oh, I, they said, and if, you're and you're cheering for him. I'm always rooting for Chalima. I, I do, I do really, really like Paul Chalima. Like, I think. Did you like it when he was yelling at people mid race? I did. Kincaid's so like weird. gesturing back to him. He's just like, "Get off my feet!" And I feel like Kincaid's he's. Like, I'm trying here. I mean, he's great for the sport. I think he's almost like he seems like two different guys uh, during a race and and not during a race. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Paul Chalima. But I can still just you know go. Hey, I didn't love that part. But I think if he tries in the Olympics, it's going to backfire. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Steeples, men, Hilary Bohr, Bernard Keeter, Mason Furlick make the team, women's steeple, Coburn again, Frerichs of course. again, of course. And Val Conti in the, the surprise. It was an open third spot after a quickly scratch. The yeah. drama here was Leah Fallon, who fell with two to go, wasn't really able to recover after that point and drifted back in the pack. But Again, Coburn and Frerichs are there. I think they're going to be contenders for medals. Men's side, it's going to be tough, but it's kind of weird. Ethiopia's got some guys, but they ran in the flat events this year, not in the steeple. So I have no idea what to what to expect about this event. I was a bit surprised McGordy didn't make it. Goes yeah, to show you close. that it's just it's hard to do an Evan Jager. We saw Evan yeah. Jager do it. We think, oh, this next person's going to be Evan Jager, and then you realize, oh, he's he's a unique guy <laughs> with. A unique ability to steeple at that at that level, but those were the off day or not the off day the the Thursday Friday yeah finals kind of the only the only track finals on those days. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was women's race went yeah pretty much how you'd expect. Men's race was mm-hmm. pretty open. Um, I mean, I would have had McGordy on there, um, and then the you know coming off the f- like final water jump, there was kind of that. Uh, well, a couple of spots were still just like wide open. There were yeah. like three, four guys kind of going for it. Um, like Updike was in third, and then just you can mm-hmm. just tell he was done. But uh, yeah, it was fun. I, yeah, I don't, you know, on the men's side, I don't have a lot of hope for medalists, but you mm-hmm. never know. You like I said, weirds. I mean, it's just the fields get so much smaller because you can, mm-hmm. you can only have three, and Ethiopia can only have three. And but I, it, it just seems like there's going to have to be uh, some real craziness happen some real craziness <laughs> indeed yeah coburn ferrix yeah so solid they'll be right there yeah i mean that, that that's just exactly so they solid. trained through i bet they're probably trained through <laughs> right yeah okay i mean we got a, emails and stuff i want to get to but because they're man we're just backing up yeah i was like do, do we need to do just like a random email show later this week just to catch up you know what we should do that because i forgot to tell you i'm gonna be out of town Mm. 
next week. So, um, or part of next week at least. So yeah, we should do like a random, an email show and then we'll throw in other stuff that happens this week. Also, I mean, Oslo is going to be on Friday. So I don't know, maybe we could talk about that if something, if we record after that, or we could just start talking about the Olympics cause it's on. I want to ask you a question about one thing though, before we go. Yeah. Um, I saw on Twitter, people were talking about how Sunday was like the best hour of track that they've ever seen. Mm. It was really good. Do you, do you agree with that? I guess it's hard because it depends how many meets you've seen in your lifetime. But so you had Sydney and Muhammad in the four hurdles. You had that men's 15. You had that women's eight. And then you had that men's two. Yeah, I mean, it was it was extremely – like just for how close it all was together because it literally was, what, 40 minutes like yeah it was boom 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 like i mean point, like right? there was no like kind of messing around which normally there's a lot of that yeah there was literally i think 35 minutes from the start of the women's 400 to the <laughs> end of the men's 200 like that's pretty insane so i don't think there's a lot of half hours that can rival that yeah. <laughs> um just because normally schedules are a little more spread out yeah like I, I was even looking at the schedule but even as it was happening i was just like wow they really are and i get it you know it got pushed back so they're probably just trying to get everything in and done whatever but it was yeah it was really good like if you could get you know i mean it diamond leagues do a do a pretty good job of you know an hour and a half two hours Mm -hmm. um but when you can kind of pack it in like that and obviously the fields are are so good and there's you know olympic spots on the line it's i'd have to i'd have to do some research to figure out something better Mm -hmm. um but you you know any any Olympics World Championships you're not getting four finals in a, in a half hour. Well, you had the you had the Van Niekerk Bolt Day in Rio. Yeah, right. And then in London, I mean, our friends in Great Britain will bring up the day, August fourth, yeah. twenty twelve. Which if I was a in the building for that, that would have been probably about as amazing. Like you know, just like to get the home crowd and like how nuts that must have been. Like it was. Some say TV, that was a Super Saturday, yeah. not just a regular Saturday. <laughs> but a super one. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because you had a little bit of everything mixed in there in that 45 minutes. Yeah. Cause you have the all time performance. So you get a chapter of McLaughlin Muhammad, yep. which is amazing. Then you get a, a 1500 that's got this rivalry thing, this component, but you'd have to be pretty, distance runner yeah. online yeah to know like what's going on with it i mean it's a great race as is but and the organ guys like both organ guys doing it too you know the generational organs whatever yeah yeah 800 you have the unknown factor with a thing mo and just anytime you have an 800 meter race at trials it's gonna be wild and unpredictable and wilson kind of coming back from the dead like because I yeah. thought it was over, <laughs> like you know, like the how close the the thir- three four spot was. And Mo, I guess it was her coming out party. I mean, she's had so many breakthrough performances at this point. I think she's. But I agree. Through, I think but... this is like a- as amazing as as Mo is, and we've been talking about her all year. This that you're you're right. This is her like. This is different. Holy crap! Yeah, on on, and, uh, on the on the biggest stage or second biggest stage. And then it ends with a two hundred, where again you'd have to be really. You could be plugged in or not plugged in if you're not plugged in you're like wow this lyle's guy seems fun and oh my gosh a 17 year old that's pretty young right 
And if you are plugged in, you're thinking, man, this is this could be dicey for Noah Lyles. Yeah. Is he is he gonna lose? Could he could he miss the team? Right. Right. Because the, that, that, there was, you know, one two percent of me. It was just like, man, like. Narek looks better. Like Knighton's beating him in the thing. If Curly, I don't know. Like you know, yeah. it's just enough. You know, and I of course expected Lyles to make the team, but wouldn't have been surprised if he lost. But like for him to kind of bring out that vintage Lyles performance was really nice to see. Yeah. So it had the all-time you know, greatest races of all time involved in this hour, and it also had the relief versus celebration dynamic that is present in Olympic trials, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, we can exhale if we made the team or heartbreak because you missed the team. And that's what makes the trials different from the Olympics. Some people say better. I don't know if I agree with that, but it's because it's because of that. It's because third is as good as first and fourth is completely devastating. Yeah. And it's it's the difference between your season going on and being able to be called an Olympian or not, or just a trials person. And that's what's, I don't know, that's what's so unique about the trials. And that was present along with just the greatest Formula Hurdle race we've seen, the fastest one we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then all these other, you know, I mean, 156.0 is pretty dang good. I know it's not the American record long way to go to the world record, but the way she ran that made you stop and, and think, oh, oh man, yeah, I mean, what's it, possible? It's just like, hey, she is so young, and, like, mm-hmm. this is this is just the beginning, and, like, the, oh, she's favorite for gold. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, like, to have that kind of, like, we knew how great she was, but now it's, 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 it's fully real. Mm-hmm. All right. House on gmail.com. Email in. We'll do a we'll try to do a voicemail email show this week. A lot of them of the emails are related to the trials, but they're still worth talking about and we'll use them as jumping off points to talk about other things as well. So send more email if you'd like, but look for a second well not I guess not a second show this week, but an early show next week because we'll release it um, as our normal weekly show. And then we will take it from there. Uh, you got anything else, Jace? No, the Clippers are about to beat the Suns, so we're going to get a game six there. That'll be fun. Mm. You know, got to get some NBA talk just very, very briefly. Yeah. Again, shout out Pfizer Forum. Uh, Kyle, our official Bucks correspondent, went to a game. Yeah. That's doing your research, folks. That's really owning your role and letting the House of Run community know that you're taking it seriously. Also, he had a running question, though, here. Maybe I should answer this. Oh, man, I can't find it. Oh, you want to know what you thought about Bobby Portis, but that's a different story. Mm. Uh, I like Bobby Portis. He was, yeah, drafted by the Bulls. I always I always liked him, but I think this is this is what he was meant for, is to be kind of that bench spark. Like, if he's starting oh, yeah. for your team, you're not great, probably, which was the Bulls. Um, but now, you know, being, being a guy who can come in, kind of do some crazy stuff, and uh, hit some shots, like, that, that's the perfect spot for him right now. Didn't Bobby Bobby Portis is the one who got in a fight with Nikola Mirotic, correct? Yes. Uh, punched him in the face, or one of them got punched in the face. Uh, fun stuff. Good times. And he's also the <laughs> he's also the same guy who he said to get motivated before a game. He imagines the other team slapping his mom. That's Bobby Portis, right? Oh, I did not hear. I don't remember that one, but that sounds right. He's a little nuts, but I, in like a fun way. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, he pictures opponents slapping his mom. Wow. I'm very crazy, Porta said. I play angry. I play mad. I play very angry because every day or every game, uh, I sit in the locker room and I envision that the other player on the other team slapped my mom. That's why I get mad. And now I've got to get you because you slapped my mom. I, hey, man, whatever gets, you know, whatever gets you there. I respect it. Um, okay, but he has a question about Hayward. Okay, we'll get to this one next week about how fast Hayward is. Plenty to chew on until then. Thank you, everybody, for listening and for downloading. Let's keep it rolling. Send your emails, hustlerandgmail.com. Until next time. Jessica Ennis. Don't go out to lane four. <laughs> get off my lawn.